And we are back. We are back. And Alan, it's very good to be what back. Up? Daniel, it's so good after a um, week off. We needed it. Our summer break. We're refreshed. Yeah. Ready to go. We, we, we take pride in, in, you know, coming to our listeners every, every week. But, you know, sometimes it was July 4th week and, you know, vacations are needed sometimes, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you got to go down to go up. You know what I'm saying? Not really, but let's roll with it. You need some downtime because uh, when you get some downtime, you're refreshed. So when you're back, you bring even more heat, and it's awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exa- exactly. Yes. You know, yes. and like it's kind of like the all-star break, which is coming up right now for, for baseball. You know, sometimes and, you need a little break, and then you get rolling the second half of the season. Yes, Daniel, I love it. Do you think they – started the all-star break once they heard that we were taking a week off maybe I, the yankees just lost two to the orioles so maybe they took one off Clearly yeah shot at my own team because i'm upset. They, they took a couple days off like before the all-star break right. someone told them the wrong date exactly speaking of um the wrong date i've got the right date so that was kind of a good transition nice do you know what do you know what this episode is for us daniel what is it alan this is our 20th episode. 20th episode, the big 2-0. We're this is 20 years old. It's our 20th episode. Wow. In honor of our 20th episode, we humbly ask that you like and subscribe, follow, whatever whatever it is you do on the social media, or, or just text us. If you know us, text us and say congrats or say hey, or, or whatever you want to say. I don't really care. And um, so I think the best thing would be subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If you think we deserve it on Apple podcast, if not, don't give us any rating. Um, actually four, we'll take, we'll take we, fours. I think we'll take fours. Yeah, we'll take four. Yeah. Um, Daniel, and we don't want our listeners to miss a second of the podcast. Right. So I'm actually going to sing happy anniversary to us for seven seconds. To seven people- seconds. For, to give people the time to um, give us some stars. Is that cool? Yeah, but, but Alan, here's the thing. If they, if you start singing, they might not come back. Daniel, so... Was that too mean? I, I, I didn't ask. No, it wasn't mean I didn't at all. His voice. It was more just a joke. No, dude, you're good. You're good, dude. But the <laughs> thing that I like about that is I sing. Is that the cro- cro- cr- proper grammar? What's saying? I... Sing song. Are you? I've sung. I'm asking. Right, you didn't. You didn't sing yet. No, 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 no. I'm saying in past episodes I have sung, sang, sang. You've sang, sang, sang. Okay. Um, and I, uh, I think people have came back. According people to still our, come back. There we go. So, it, bring it. And I okay. want to. Okay. So. Concerts now. Happy anniversary to us. Really flows off the tongue. Anniversary to us. Yeah. Yay. So we're back after the uh, singing break. And uh, don't worry if you just went and subscribed and now you're back. You didn't miss much. Um, Alan's saying happy anniversary to us on our 20th episode anniversary. And yeah. 
And uh, it's really cool for us. We'd like to give a quick shout out to Anchor. You know, because uh, yeah, you know, Anchor is uh, you know, it's the avenue uh, on which we've driven our podcast and uh, the success that we've had. You know, um, and we definitely you know, like done it without it. You know, some marriages are set up. They yeah. definitely like had that type of role for us. You know what I'm saying? We knew each other. We were friends. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't decide to take things seriously and become a podcast until anger came around. Right. You know, we were like, okay, yeah, we'll do it second semester of college. And then, you know, we found anchor and anchor was like, do it now guys do it now. And we're like, okay. So anger really kind of pushed us, you know, to get to this point of 20 episodes and uh, we couldn't be more thankful. You know, it's a very easy, easy app to use. It's a, a great website. The It's very easy to edit and you know, it's very easy to create new podcasts, and uh, we highly recommend you um, using it if you, you by yourself or you and a friend or multiple friends want to start a podcast because, you know, we're just two regular guys, and uh, we were able to start this, and, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, my mom says I'm special. Yeah, yeah. Regular. so does mine. Okay, cool. Daniel, Um, so a lot happened in the past couple of weeks in sports, especially to my cabs, but... Um, before we hop into all of that and all the other good stuff, we have an awesome interview this week. Yeah, we um, have Dr. Nick Elam on, really cool guy, um, and we hope you enjoy the interview. We now welcome to the pod Dr. Nick Elam. He is uh, currently a professor at Ball State University. He is also a groundskeeper for the Cincinnati Reds, a member of Mensa, and a former all-star third baseman in the Southwestern Buckeye League. Most notably, he is uh, the creator of the groundbreaking Elam Ending, a revolutionary idea to improve the end of basketball games. He has been written about by The Athletic, Sports Illustrated, and ESPN, and, and more. And uh, we are honored to welcome Dr. Nick Elam on the pod today. Welcome, Nick. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you. So tell us about the Elam ending and how you figured it out. What made you come up with, want to come up with this idea, and how did you reach it? Sure. So I've been a lifelong basketball fan. I absolutely love basketball. And so it's disheartening to me that so often the quality of play deteriorates late in games where really we're seeing the worst basketball when uh, the game should be the most exciting. And so, you know, we see different things like the leading team stalling and playing a very passive style. The trailing team uh, is handing away free points at the foul line when they're on defense and they have to rush and force up ugly shots when they're on offense. That whole combination of factors makes the outcome of games too predictable, makes uh, late comebacks too hard to complete and so the and we have many big games and really so many many good games that just kind of fade out with a whimper uh without really right. one signature moment or, or lasting image to carry on and so uh the idea was you know all of these factors are attributable to the game clock and so maybe if you just were to get rid of the clock at the end of the game uh then maybe that would address each of these issues. So that was the spirit of the idea. And that's still the spirit of the idea is that you'd play most of the game with a clock and play the last part of the game without a clock. Uh, you could adjust the settings as necessary and all of these are written in pencil. Uh, but what we're trying out at the basketball tournament or TBT uh, is to mm -hmm. shut off the clock for the last four minutes of the game and uh, play to a target score equal to the leading team score plus seven. Right. And how, how did you come up with the uh, number seven that you would add seven to the leading team's um, score? 
So I'll use uh, men's college basketball as an example. I think the numbers work out the best there. So for that, uh, you know, the, you know, cause again, you have to figure out, okay, well, when are we going to shut off the clock and what are we going to play to? And so uh, the four minute mark, that's around the time that you would normally see a, a, a leading team with a medium sized lead start to stall and play a very passive style. It also happens to be the last media timeout in college basketball. Now, the really serious flaws like the uh, fouling and the rushing, that doesn't really happen until the last minute of the game. But you can't wait too long to shut off the clock or you're going to still run into the same problem. So you have to build in kind of an untimed cushion. And I think four minutes is the way to go. Well, if we're going to cut out four minutes of a 40-minute game, we are cutting out 10% of the game and we need to add 10% of it back. And if you look at scoring rates in college basketball, it's about 70 points per team per game. And so 10% of 70 is seven. So that's where the plus seven comes from. But again, that could be adjusted if that doesn't look good in practice. And for TBT, it was a little bit of a shot in the dark because we don't have the same stockpile of scoring data from years past. Right. Uh, we talked about under three minutes plus seven, under four minutes plus seven. I was pushing a little bit for under four minutes plus eight. Uh, so again, you know, this is all uh, written in pencil for now. Right. And um, just for our listeners who may not be aware, TBT, the basketball tournament, I think it's it's in its third or fourth year now. It's a 72-team uh, single elimination tournament, kind of filling in the uh, basketball gap in the summer. Many uh, really good college players um, who are now playing in Europe or in other places um, take part, and it's a winner-take-all $2 million tournament. And uh, I just wanted to let the listeners know in case they weren't aware. And, that's, and the entire tournament is using this ELM ending. That's and right. And it should be really exciting to see it. Yeah, in 2017, uh, they, they adopted it on an experimental basis for 11 preliminary round games, and it looked really great, uh, looked good enough. They are now using it on a full, full basis, just like you said. Right. And um, is this like a, like, like some, kind of like a, a big moment? Obviously, it's a big moment for you that they're adopting it, and now it's kind of causing it to – like that's how I found out about it. And a lot of people are now, are now you know – trying to talk to you about this idea because TBT brought it up. But like, what was it like when you found out that TBT was adopting the rule? That was a huge thrill for me because, you know, I've been reaching out to different uh, people in the basketball world for years at that point. And I knew that uh, where it would probably get its foot in the door would be with some sort of, uh, you know, like a semi-pro league or an event, something like that. And, you know, that could have been a whole different, a whole bunch of different, events could have uh, been the first to try it. But I was really excited because TBT was a, an event that I was familiar with. I've, I've seen TBT before. I was, and um, it was something that was growing and thriving already. They had a lot of good momentum as it, as it was. So they didn't take a chance on this because they needed, uh, you know, it wasn't out of desperation that they embraced this mm-hmm. because they right. really wanted to take an already thriving event to the next level. So that was really a thrill for me. Uh, when they said that they wanted to embrace this idea and even a bigger thrill when they were the ones who gave it its name and attached my name to it. So that was pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And um, in your eyes, what's like the long-term vision of the Elam ending? Because um, I think that being a big basketball fan, you realize like there might be some people against the Elam ending in the NBA. I think personally that it's really, really cool, but um, also that I'm, I, I think people would have a problem with like stats being altered and changed because the NBA and college basketball too has a strong emphasis on statistics. 
Well, yeah. So I definitely understand that uh, people might initially be opposed to it. And, and trust me, no, no one ever has to apologize for ever criticizing or scrutinizing the idea. Uh, absolutely not. So I don't take anything like that personally at all. Uh, I do ultimately believe that this will be used in the, at the highest levels of play. NBA, WNBA, Olympics, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, Division One. Uh, I do think it will eventually grow into that. It'll, it will have to go through uh, different testing grounds before it gets to that level. Um, but one thing that you mentioned, you know, because I, I have heard a lot of different um, kind of off-the-cuff criticisms and some that are even more contemplated, and I, I think I've got, uh, you know, an answer for all of them. And, and one criticism is the, the effect on stats. And one thing I will say, and I will say very clearly, the stats work for the sport not the other way around. The stats work for the sport and sports should do what sports should first do whatever it takes to promote the fairness and the excitement of their sport and figure out all the statistical record keeping later. And when it comes to, um, you know, how the Elam ending would affect that really basketball would just have to continue a trend that's already started in basketball, which is to get away from per game stats, per minute stats, which can be very misleading and really just go all in on per possession stats. That's something that we've already seen, and you could just you could do that just as easily under the Elam ending as you do uh, with a fully timed game. And, and one thing that we've talked about on our podcast a lot is baseball and the pace of play there. And I don't know if it sounds like basketball is a big undertaking already, but have you spent any time thinking about baseball and how to speed up the game or what your thoughts on that are? Yeah. So I, I absolutely love baseball too. And I'm a lifelong baseball fan. And I actually think that baseball is thriving. I disagree with people who say that baseball is dying, but I do think that you know, part of the reason baseball is, is thriving is that it has evolved just enough over the years to stay ahead of different issues that it faces. So the on-field issues that it faces now are pace and length of game and the overabundance of strikeouts and walks and home runs. And I do think that those are real issues that need to be addressed because if it goes too far off the rails, then uh, it's not going to be just a palatable, enjoyable game. So uh, an idea that I have, uh, this is something that I spoke with Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports recently. Uh, mm-hmm. not an idea that I've really fleshed out or researched. I'm not even sure how I would go about researching it. Uh, but it's something that on paper I think has merit. Uh, because people, it would basically be to uh, work with the strike zone, use the strike zone to address those issues. So some people say, well, let's, uh, let's improve the game by shrinking the strike zone across the board. And that would shift the advantage back to the hitters, which is a good thing. But I think it would make hitters very picky and selective, and they'd be taking a lot of pitches, and we get even more walks when we already have too many walks. So I'm concerned about that. Other people say, well, let's just expand the strike zone across the board. And that would improve the length of the game because batters would have to get the bat off their shoulder. But I'm concerned that that would lead to more strikeouts when we've already got too many strikeouts. So my concept of a dynamic strike zone, uh, you would start each at-bat with a strike strike zone that's a little bit smaller than what we see currently. After strike one, it would expand to about the size that we see now. And after strike two, if the at-bat's still going, then you would have a strike zone that's a little bit bigger than what we see now. The idea would would be to motivate uh, you know, early in that bat, pitchers would have to throw favorable pitches, and it would totally get rid of this mindset for hitters of trying to work deep counts or trying to draw walks, things like that. They would know that the most favorable pitch of the at bat is likely to come early in the at bat, and they would, um, you know, I think it would possibly it can help with each of those issues that baseball faces now. Mm-hmm. And um, so, 
uh, in the NBA, the, there's a lot of fouling in the last four minutes, like we've discussed. But at times, there's also the hack a shack, hack a whatever you want to add. Hack a Dwight, to, hack a Deontay. Hack, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So to counter that, I had a joke, but I don't think it's going to be too funny. But like, Brand, if you just go. put, I don't know, it didn't come out right, Daniel. Uh, Did you already say it and we just missed it? Nope. I just – I crumbled under the pressure. Hey, that's it's okay. Um, so, pivoting back, do you think that – how would you address those issues, like hack a DeAndre or something like that? Yeah, well, one thing that's really cool is, is there's a possible indirect way that, that the Elam ending could indirectly also end hack shack so the, what, I, what I was originally going for was trying to um, address the deliberate on-the-ball fouls that happen late in games to, you know, primarily to stop the clock. But, yeah, you mentioned Hackashack. So, you know, right now in the game of basketball, we can't really outlaw uh, fouls like that or we can't really uh, you know, treat it by the book where we – give a free throw in possession, something like that. Because again, if we do that, we'd be taking the trailing team's only option and making it even less appealing without giving them a better alternative. So you can't really do that under the current format. Well, if you implement the Elam ending where teams do have other options, they do have more hope of a comeback without having to foul. Well, now you can get a little bit tougher on those deliberate on the ball fouls. You can get a little bit tougher on deliberate away from the play fouls like Hackashack. And, you know, the NBA has a pretty good rule already uh, when it comes to deliberate away from the play fouls late in quarters where you get a free throw in possession. I honestly don't understand why they don't just implement that across the board. And you could absolutely do that uh, if the game, you know, the game were to shift to the Elam ending. Just across the board, go uh, a free throw in possession for deliberate away from the play fouls. Right, because then the team can just be like, okay, because like, I like, – even in the playoffs, like the Warriors would try to do that, I think, with Capella in right. the Western Conference Finals where they were just trying to get back in the game in the second quarter, and they started hacking Capella. And, yeah, I mean, it just kind of ruins the flow of the game. Right. And so that's, um, you know, for me, again, going back to an earlier question of, you know, kind of the criticism of, of changing the game, the idea for me is not to try to change the game of basketball. Really, it's to do the opposite. It is to mm-hmm. preserve a more natural style of play to compel teams to adhere to the fundamental objectives of the sport. Uh, this isn't really uh, trying to do, trying to change anything that Dr. James Naismith uh, invented. It's really, I see this as a nod to him uh, to help, mm-hmm. again, preserve a more natural style of play. And wh- why do you think you're not someone who's within the NBA or within the college ranks? You're a former middle school professor. You're a professor, middle school principal, sorry, and a professor at Ball State. Why, why is it someone like you and not someone who has been involved in with, within these big organizations that's finally trying to make a change to something that most people acknowledge is a big problem? Um, so you know, wh- why have I been working on this or why am I the or, one? Why, why do you think that it's taken so long for this, these, these changes to come into play? Uh, well, it could be, for the reason you said, because I'm not, you know, an insider in the game. Um, so, again, that can sometimes take a little bit longer to lend credibility to the idea. But mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, it's take a little bit longer for the idea itself to get a foot in the door, but uh, you know, it, it's out there now. And so right. like, I think it's got some good momentum. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, for me, this has just kind of been an independent project. Um, mm-hmm. but I've always, I was only, I was only going to stick with it until I saw a fatal flaw with the concept or if I ran into a dead end. Uh, but after all these years, I still have found different avenues to keep moving forward. And now, especially, uh, it's really got a lot of a mom- uh, momentum and, a, and ways to move it forward. So I'm excited for that. Okay. Are, are you going to be at TBT? I will be. I plan to uh, to be at as many games as I can get to uh, later this year. It's it's uh, spread out all over the country, but uh, I plan yeah. on getting to as many games as I can. Yeah, that's awesome, and um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot. You're going to be talking a lot on the, on the air there, right? Absolutely. If if they'll yeah. if they'll give me the chance, I, I'd like. To yeah. Last year, last year I had a cool opportunity uh, to you know courtside sitting with Matt Martucci and Joe Lenardi uh, on the ESPN three broadcasts of the games and doing uh, you know, some live commentary and an interview there while the game is going on. So I hope to do the same uh, this year. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be tuning in. I'm a big fan of TVT. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, who, who's your favorite in the tournament? Well, the team that I picked to win it all. One thing, if, yeah, if you go to the TVT's website, which is the tournament.com, the tournament.com, uh, if you go through their news postings, uh, eventually you'll find the expert picks for this year. So they included me on an expert panel, which was very generous of them to include me with the likes of Tim Scarborough and Seth Greenberg and Robbie Hummel and Fran Fraschilla. And then there's my name, you know, not, not nearly the level of uh, expertise that they have, but, but they, you know, we were each to uh, select our regional picks and then our overall champion. And then also what's cool about the Elam ending is you know that every a championship and every game is going to be sealed with the swish of a net. So, uh, right. we, so my pick for my pick for the uh, championship was Bayheim's Army, which is largely a Syracuse alumni team, and for them to win the two million dollar championship on an Eric Bevendorf three pointer. So we'll see. That's a great point. That every game is going to end with a swish, and and that's really exciting. And um. Speaking of exciting, pivoting away a little bit from the Elam ending, um, a fun fact about you is you're a groundskeeper for the Cincinnati Reds. How did you get into the groundskeeping? Uh, great question. So uh, you guys are undergrads at, at UMB, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right around the time when I was your age, I was attending the University of Dayton. And, um, you know, I had a number of different summer jobs up to that point. I'd you know, been a grocery bagger. I had been, uh, worked for a moving company, which I learned the hard way is that's not something I wanted to do the rest of my life. Uh, I delivered pizzas and, you know, so it was, you know, this summer, I think it was the summer after my junior year. I was like, you know, what am I going to do this summer? And always been a lifelong baseball fan. I was, I was like, ah, you know, I'm going to reach out to the Dayton Dragons head groundskeeper, the minor league team and ask if they need some help on their grounds crew. And sure enough, they did. And I, I worked for, for Dayton Dragons for three seasons. And then I thought, you know what? I, I think I'm ready for the big leagues. And so I reached out to the Cincinnati Reds heads groundskeeper and started working there in 2006. Um, and actually, this is my 13th season working for the Reds in a much more limited basis now that I you know, moved to Indiana to work at Ball State. But uh, I still hang on and uh, you know, go down there for a weekend here or there. Uh, I made some lifelong friends down there. So that's been a great experience. That's and, awesome. I mean, 
Alan, go. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, so polite. So, um, I'm a big Indians fan, and we're actually mm-hmm. playing your Reds now. Um, but to keep it a little bit more general, but specifically within the Indians, what are your thoughts on teams trading away big name prospects for rentals? Like a big conversation in Cleveland now is whether the Indians should give up um, Mejia or McKenzie, or I think his name's McKenzie, something like that, um, for Manny Machado. What are your thoughts on something like that? Well, if, uh, if, if the price is right, anybody's available and, you know, anybody is, you know, there for the taking so um as far as that specific trade um i would have to break it down a little bit more but uh but man i think for the indians they've already got a pretty good well not pretty good they've got an elite shortstop and an elite third baseman so where would manny machado go where would he play so so the conver- so ramirez, oh, ramirez would go to ramirez second base ramirez is second. yeah and then Right, because Kipnis is struggling. So well, after that, that, after last night, uh, and and even before last night, I would say the Indians need to focus mainly on on their bullpen. That that was unbelievable. I was watching a couple innings. I watched Bauer pitch a little, and then like I turned it off for the last couple innings, and then my friend told me later that we lost. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I yeah. So and one of my ideals with the Indians, especially since we have so many great young starters at that back end of the bull, bullpen, like a Bieber, a Plutko, uh, I would move. And I've gotten a lot of flack for this. Someone like Clevenger to the bullpen because in the playoffs you could still have Carrasco, Kluber, and Bauer starting big games. Yeah, and and, and Clevenger match. he he has a little bit of experience in that role. I think in the 2016 playoffs he came out of the bullpen. Uh, he although I think he was one of their last options at that time, but now he's he's a stud now. So um, yeah, and especially you know in the playoffs it becomes such a different game where you know where the, just the usage of your bullpen and usage of your starters is very different, but. Um, I think that's what I would be focusing on if I were the, the Indians. I guess the nice part for the Indians, really compared to any other team in the league, is they can really just start focusing now on the postseason. How you know instead of having to uh, really focus on trying to win a division race, they're they're going to coast to the division race and they can start uh, already setting themselves up for the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, I'm a Yankees fan. I was actually at the Orioles Yankees game last night, and uh, Machado crushed us. So I'm really hoping we trade for him soon. Yeah, I'm not uh, McDonald yeah. home runs landed yet, the first one. Oh my god, that was insane. Um, last question. Um in what's your estimate? Um in how many years do you expect to see the EOM ending across all levels of basketball? <laughs> uh well, if, if I had a vote, I would put it in right now. But um I encourage you to reach out to if you really want to better answer to that you should probably reach out to uh commissioner of the nba his name is mr adam silver uh, <laughs> probably find his email address pretty easily um he would be the one to answer that because uh, i only have so much say on that so but uh, it would get my vote right now yeah i uh, don't worry um, i've been talking about it to a lot of people we'll, we'll push for it on the pod <laughs> all right i appreciate you, it you, you got big fans in us <laughs> all right Have a good one. Thank you so much for coming on, Nick. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, and good luck with the podcast. Thank you. Enjoy the tournament. That was a good one. That was great. Yeah, really, really interesting idea also. Obviously, he's not like we don't know him personally, but he sounds like a really great guy.
And, you know, also his, it's a, it's a genius idea. A hundred percent because, um, we, we've seen it. These huge, just like get the wind sucked out of them, Mm -hmm. you know? And and just what really pumped me up was the fact that every game's gonna end with end with a made basket. Right. So you like, awesome. okay, who's gonna hit the game winning shot? And there's always gonna be a game winning shot. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, it forces teams to keep scoring. You know. Mm-hmm. And also, one thing that I think is great is that. Um, I totally forgot where I was going with that. Hey, Go ahead, Danielle. That's okay. I'll remember in one second. Yeah, so, I mean, what I really liked, he said, is that uh, it's kind of like a, a built-in response to the basketball purists, quote-unquote, who are against this, in that he's not trying to change basketball. He's trying to return it to its roots. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we get so caught up in what is kind of like the letter of the law and that we kind of get lost and we don't really see that something that is great is kind of is, is kind of being made less great by the rules themselves. And the way the game is now, the last two minutes of a lot of games take 30 minutes and they're not exciting. I'm all for yeah. more basketball, but at the same time, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't love watching guys walk up the court shooting free throws. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you reminded me, by the way, of what I wanted to say was that my, one of my concerns was the statistics mm-hmm. and how that is a big part of the rich history of the NBA. But uh, Dr. Elam was saying how what you can do is you can change it to like stats per possession. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and also, even uh, looking at another way, how many points are like, – how many – guys have inflated point totals because of free throws at the end of games. Right. And adding one thing to you is um, three-point shooting, you know? So these stats kind of have asterisks to them that we don't talk about enough. Right. And, like, adding another thing to that, uh, that, that was more of a joke. Um, Why? Because be... we kept adding back and forth. But I do want to add something. So do you think we added up to 20? Oh, because it's our 20th episode? Yeah. I don't know. But just to add one more thing, um, we'd like to thank Nicky Owen for coming on. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, of course, he's welcome back anytime if he's if he's listening. And we hope he is. But, you know, I, I, think, I think we can let him know in other ways also. But thank you so much. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And, you know, he, we, we, we talked a lot about TBT, the basketball tournament. I always look forward to it because it really, uh, it really provides a nice. Uh, it's a filler for the the basketball hole that exists in my life between the finals, and um, you know the start of the NBA season. I mean, there is summer league which we'll get to, but the basketball tournament it's very very fun. It's highly competitive. It's high level basketball, and um, you know I think we should go through some players to watch. Mm-hmm. And and just to add one thing because we're adding a lot of things yeah, today. Adding a lot. Uh, bef- before we jump into that, like I am, I'm a pretty big Buckeyes fan. It's actually interesting because my allegiance has definitely shifted from Ohio State to Maryland. Yeah, go Terps. Um, go Terps. But um, the older Ohio State teams, the um, John Diebler, David Lighty, Aaron Kraft, Alice Lauderdale, Jared Sullinger, those guys have 
a great place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're back together now. Yeah, you know they're playing. They're playing for the uh, Ohio State. What are they called? Buckeye Nation. Scarlet, Scarlet and Gray. Gray. Scarlet, and, Scarlet and Gray. There's and also um, said, Syracuse alums, said, Bayheim's Army. Daniel. Yeah. You said um, the Ohio State University, but we got to emphasize it more. The, the Ohio State University. The University of Maryland, College Park. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> they don't have, have a team mind. there, but yeah. okay. You want to jump in it? Yeah. Okay. For five players to watch at TBT. Number one, Jimmer Fredette. Wow. He's playing, playing for Team Daniel. Fredette. And um, Daniel, he's the one of the all-time greats in college basketball. Jimmer Mania. You know, before Steph, there was Jimmer. Jimmer range, and that was what people were talking about. In China, he's been putting up like 35, 36 a game. So um, he's not he's not coming in rusty. He's played he's been playing basketball at a high level for many years now. So he's going to come in and he's going to try to shoot the lights out. Hot take, Brent. Uh, I think at this moment, Jimmer Fredette is a much better basketball player than Trey Young. Ooh, explain. What, what are your three? thoughts? Um, um, I I don't know. I think Trey Young probably has more. NBA, like, I don't know, maybe because I, I, I hear what you're that. saying because Jimmer's more polished now. He's 26, 27. He's a grown man. Trey Young's 19 years old. I'm 20. Just let that sink in. I'm okay. And Daniel, I'm okay. I would argue that you are more accomplished than Trey Young. You have a sports podcast. That's true. He's only he's only in the NBA. Man. Right. Like we're living the dream. He's not. Allen, he did lead the country in points and assists last year. I think I led the country in podcast assists. Like transitions. You're you're a great transition podcaster. No, no, no. I'm great with trans in, in the transition game fast break. Right. Points, you know, you, you saying, make that outlet pass. Oh, it's over. You give, me a lot of, you give me a lot of open layups. I think podcasting assists is when I know you have a good point to make or right. I know a story of yours, and I purposely lead into it. I hear that, but I still think Trey Young probably had more assists total. Fine. So we're both we're both living the dream. Yeah, you know what? We're both living our best dreams. You yeah. know that saying? Yeah. Sweet. I'm pretty sure it's living your best life, but whatever. Whatever. Hey, living the dream. That's okay. Al, yeah. hit us with the second player. <clears throat> so the second player to look out for is Mike James. He's uh yeah, he's playing for HBC Sickerville. I'm not sure why they're named that, but he's <laughs> a um I actually got the chance to see him live. You, you may not people may not know Mike James like they know Jimmer, but he uh, Dallas Mavericks? No, Phoenix Sun. No, not that Mike James. The other Mike James. Younger Mike James. He uh mm. played in Greece in uh Greece for a while for Athens. I want to say Athens. Mm-hmm. And um one of the one of the top teams in the Euro League, and he also last year started the season. He started like twenty five games for the Suns, and it was good. I picked him up in fantasy and everything. Oh, I saw him I his last summer at the Drew League, and he was insane. He tried to dunk over three guys at once. He um, he had some ridiculous plays, and he is so lightning fast with the basketball. He might be the most talented player in the entire tournament. He's not as well known because he wasn't a star in college. He went to Lamar University. But he's really excited. Are you looking 
at where he went online, or you just know? No, no, it's it's not like I remember him from the bar. I looked him up a lot after I saw him last year. So like, okay. I've been che- I've been like Fine. watching him for a while. It's not I'm not like I didn't like memorize it from him in college. I I, I watched him because I saw him live. Also, uh, in Daniel, game, I got it was Marvin Bagley. He was also in that game. Wow, that was a fun night. I gotta put I gotta put you on the spot, Daniel. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you play fantasy, right? That's true. Yeah. I would argue you're the most annoying type of fantasy player out there. Why don't you tell everyone? I draft I all the it. prospects and I brag about it when they do well, but I don't actually do well in fantasy. Is that what you're trying to get at? No, but that's another great point to my argument. I drafted Donovan Mitchell. Everyone's like, who? Who's Donovan Mitchell? Okay. That's like me in fantasy football. When you take enough young rookies, you hit. I picked Samaji Perrine, um, Jamal Williams, no, 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 but it's uh, different because I knew because I drafted Donovan Mitchell way too early, knowing that, like, with the intention that he'd be a star. Okay, what I was hinting at, I was though, a big Michael like Beasley you know, stud. I would also hinting at how how you don't set your lineup. Oh, that's because um after the draft, I I, I love sports. I follow sports like day in day out, but I just forget to set my fantasy team, my fantasy lineup, and then I'm terrible, and then I'm like I'm terrible. So why would I set my lineup? So those are like those are two guys you should really watch out for in TBT. And the tournament starts this weekend. I think there were a few games already, but the tournament at large starts this weekend. And uh, it's on ESPN3. And um, later rounds will be on ESPN2 or ESPNU or ESPN or whatever. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. So, um, Alan, I think it's time to transition to more mainstream basketball. Don't do it. But I have to, Alan. I have to. Don't. Have don't. To. Alan. Bye. The chosen one has left. The king has found a new throne. How do you feel about LeBron leaving to LA? I don't view it as him uh, finding a new throne. I view it as his, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? His dynasty expanding. Interesting. So, his empire, his empire. That's the so, word I was looking So he's still living. You think he's still going to be living like in Cleveland, but like he's, he'll travel? Regardless, I think by bringing a championship to the land, by the dedication he showed, by the way he left, um, Cleveland's still his kingdom. Hmm. You think it was it, obviously a much different vibe than after the decision in 2010. Does it hurt? Does it still hurt? A lot, or does it hurt not as much? Like it hurt, it's a little bit, but like, you know. I, I read a really good piece today. Um, Ramona Shelburne wrote a great behind-the-scenes article on ESPN about LeBron signing, and uh, she she quoted a writer for the Akron Beacon Journal, a local newspaper, that said their feeling. It was this weird feeling knowing that the prime of maybe our basketball lives is over. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, in Cleveland, my dad always says, how often do you get a guy like that in Cleveland? And the answer is never, in all honesty. Jim Brown, um, Jim Brown back in the day. Okay. About, so, about, about 50 years before we were born. But, you know. Yeah. Right. So that's the point. So maybe every 50 years. You're going to get great guys. And the Browns are – oh, Newman. I messed it up. The – um, no, Cleveland is going to have two of those because of Baker Mayfield. He's the next LeBron of football. Right. But um, 
so we're lucky in that sense. But it, it, it's so it's it's a little bit of a nostalgic feeling that LeBron has left. It's a little it's sad, um, but also personally, I'm happy for him. I mm-hmm. think that this was a little bit of a weird setup. Um, just the whole vibe around the organization. And I think it was a move for his family, setting them up for the next stage of their lives. Like I know um, Bronny Jr. will probably play in um, L.A. There's unreal high school basketball there. Yeah, he's, he's probably going to play at Sierra Canyon. Is that where Gary Payton's son is? No, I, I don't. I, I, Gary Payton... The son, Gary Pippen, something I know, he's already out of college. He played at Oregon State. Scott, Scotty Pippen, Scotty Pippen, son plays there, and and um, Kenyon Martin, Martin son. Yeah, and uh, Gary Payton might be the coach. He's not the coach, but he, I think he just I don't I don't know how he knew. He was the one talking though. Yeah, he was know? the one talking. I'm not sure why or how he knew or what he knew. Yeah. So, um, I can talk about LeBron. All day, but I think that um, I think what my opinion on it was short and sweet, but something much more controversial, in my opinion, and it's weird for me to be saying this as a Clevelander was Demarcus Cousins to Golden State. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think you know it's 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 good. People were saying, "Oh, it's bad for the league. The league's not fair." You said it's good. Sports are not supposed to be fair. The games are supposed to be fair, but there's a reason why there are teams that win and there are teams that lose. There's a reason they're dynasties, and we love these dynasties. It's, it's good to have a villain in sports, and I and you know, credit to the Warriors for being able to pull this off, and you know, credit for Boogie Cousins for going and doing what he wants. I can't let this go. Um, Bring it, let's go, Glove Daniel. Um, whoa, wow! Yeah. I did not see that coming. Let's go. Um, can I tell you my problem? What? Villains are amazing, right? Mm-hmm. The villains were Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Okay, they were they were never villains. They weren't villains. We were rooting for them. When KD went there, they became the villains. Okay, great. So now they became uber villains, right? It's it's in no way is it good for the league when the best players are teaming up and and not. They have no desire to compete against each other anymore. I, I don't think. I don't. I, I don't think. I, firstly, I think they do, but at the same time. So no. So tell me why. I, I best... think. I think they do want to compete, but at the same time, you make decisions in order to have the best chance of winning. And, and I'm not saying they're making it like, oh, I want the easy way out. This is not the easy way out. The easy way out is going to a team, being the guy, getting you know. 25 That's not the easy way out. It is the easy way out. Winning 30 games, making your money, calling it a day. This is not the easy way out. There's constant pressure. If they get, if they win less, if they, if they do anything less than dot, cruising their way to a championship or always winning a championship, the season's a failure. If they lose in game seven of the NBA Finals, season's a failure. That's not the easy way out. One, That's one thing. Second no, thing. Dan, Daniel, this, Daniel, this specific one case, Boogie Cousins Daniel. was not a, was not a wanted commodity he is coming off one of the most more devastating injuries that can happen to any player in basketball few return from it successfully and most and and those who do are usually not 280 pounds so that's one thing secondly if people it, why would he give up his uh, he wants to get to the point where he can, he's offered super max deals 
The Pelicans offered him a two-year, $40 million deal. That's a lot of money, but that's not a super max deal. That's not what he's looking for. He's, what, what he's looking for now is a year to be able to rehab and play for the Warriors, prove that he's able to play on a big stage, and then get that super max next summer. That's what he's going for, and he has every right to do that, and good for him for doing that. The league is underrating his value. And I don't know what about his injury is, but the league didn't want him overall. They weren't giving him what he feels he deserves, and so he's going where he feels he can go get that. It's not a move at all. It's a smart personal move. Daniel, um, first of all, I'm stuck up on the fact that you said the easy way out is going to a team. In my opinion, the best move, and again, these guys have the right to make their own decisions, but okay, the easy way out is going, sorry for the shot here, is going to Orlando or something. Okay, I know Bamba's there, but in principle. That's, what, know I mean, know what, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. That's the easy right. way out. But, no, no, but in my opinion, the hardest path is, is DeMarcus Cousins saying, I'm going to Portland. Me, CJ McCollum, and Damian Lillard are going to try to take these beasts down. Daniel, if I, if I told you, okay, you, um, you went to Berman and your rivals are JDS, correct? There's a high school. Not many people, uh, I don't know how many people will understand, but that's a big deal. It's a big deal, okay, people? It's a big deal. Okay, awesome. Daniel, JDS, this is the NBA right now. JDS walks up to Daniel Shaw, a key part of the of the Berman offense team, whatever, and says, Daniel, come play for us. Yeah, I don't think they'd ever want to do that. But um, No, but it's but different, then though. You it's say, different. No, why is it I'd different? I'd have to transfer schools and everything. Daniel, this guy's transferring his life as well. Yeah, but... and even and even more so. What if they're like, okay, Daniel, you know what, um, Daniel, you're out. You you just tore your Achilles. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But you just tore your Achilles. Why don't you go rehab with us for a year? You'll play for a little bit. You'll come back for the big rivalry game at the end. It's it's imagine the olden days NBA. Magic and Larry Bird say they were best friends. I don't know, best friends, very good friends. They're close, right? They would never come together. It is it is the Warriors as an organization. Um, but Alan, but Alan, uh, people forget that in those times, free agency was much different and much less fluid, and the it, it was much easier to stay with a team for your entire career. This is LeBron's third team, and he's not considered a guy who would be jumping around. But we're we're not on LeBron. I'm saying in, in this day, because this day and age, the free agency market is 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 much more open. It's much more of an open season where you can. People are going everywhere because, but look, look what LeBron's doing. Okay. LeBron's not going to a Houston, even he's, a going, he's going to where he wants to go for his life. And I would imagine right. that that's what DeMarcus Cousins is doing as well. And that's what, Signing and that's why I have a problem with people calling KD a snake and whatever, because I think he honestly went to Golden State to play a different brand of basketball and to do what he thought was best for his life. And, I, and I, you know what? Yeah. It did create an unfair advantage in the NBA for the Warriors. Yes, they are a super team. Yes, they are dominant. But you know what? I don't have a problem with that. In sports, we're all trying to become dominant. I don't want necessarily all 30 teams to have one star and just say, everyone be even. Dude, dude you're such a... That's not how sports works. Sports, you try to find the competitive advantage. The Warriors found a competitive advantage in, be, in being able to draft good players, develop them nicely into superstars, and then use that and, and also having the most 
the, the guy who everyone wants to be teammates with, Steph Curry, because he, he was so selfless, he takes a back seat to allow these other stars to come in, and you know, and and he's enthusiastic for them, which is incredible. And in a day and age of of you know, enlarged egos. And people, it, it, they've created a destination in a place that was never a destination. It was always L.A. It was always New York, Boston. And now, through the through great management, through great acquisitions, and through uh, and and by using the salary cap well, the Warriors have created a very desirable destination and a dominant franchise. Um, I agree with you that they did it all. They did it all right. I have no problem with. Steph, Clay, Draymond, that's perfect, you know, but in my opinion, it's just when it um, became something bigger. And Daniel, I think we should leave it here and keep on moving, okay? Yeah, I, have more, um, I have more, though, but we'll, we'll leave it here. Yeah, I think we both have more. I think we could, by the way, um, you sound like such a Yankees fan. Like, let the teams, the best teams that can bring the most guys in. Yeah, you know but, but that's saying. but that's true. I, I don't like when people go off against the Yankees, like, Oh, you guys have money. You know what? You guys can have money too. The owners are not lacking money. The Yankees put money into their organization, and that's how it works. There are very wealthy people everywhere. I, I definitely think that the Steinbrenner family, right? Yeah, Steinbrenner um, family has done great things for the Yankees. Obviously. But the, I, I, I don't feel sorry for people like, oh, my team's not good because we, don't, we can't afford players. No, it's because you don't have the culture that the Yankees have built. I fundament okay, the culture is a part of the Yankees, Daniel, but it's not dude, the big bucks, Manny Machado would come to you guys, the Bryce Harper would come to you guys because you're offering the most money by far. Not necessarily. We have the we have the seventh highest payroll in major league baseball. Stevens biggest market, cool. seventh highest payroll. That's great. I our know key that. players are the our key players are young guys who we drafted. We brought You're in right. more, we we made a good trade to a um that okay. kind of taking advantage of a, t- a situation with a bad team. We needed to burn. You needed to get some cash. But collusion. It's not collusion. It's t- the Stanton on, would only go to four teams. He would only go to the Dodgers, the Astros, the Yankees, and the Cubs. The Yankees made the best deal out of the four. It wasn't a great deal, but the Yankees made the best deal out of those four teams. And that's how they got them. Okay. We're disagreeing a lot today. I know. It's nice. It's maybe, maybe, yeah, it's like, um, the, you know, 20th episode, like when you're together a long time. Yeah, you bring, you, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it gets heated. That's okay. Right. But, but it's important to express your feelings out loud. Right. You know what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And taught to transition a tad more from one um, struggling sport in America to the other. The World Cup soccer is going on. You like that transition? I do like it. I, I wouldn't say like our uh, esteemed guest, Dr. Um, Nick yeah, Dr. Nick I didn't forget his name. I'm just, I'm just kind of tired. <laughs> Dude, I got that. It's a grind. Yeah, man. You know, uh, I work, I work, uh, I, I direct a basketball camp and it's, it's, you know, long day today, long day today. Long, a little tired. The day's not up, you know. Alec, can you repeat that? The the days add up too, you know. The days, yeah, yeah, exactly. Day three. Day three. Day three maybe. adds up. But yeah, of course, Doctor Nick Elam, as our esteemed guest, Doctor Nick Elam said. Yeah. Um. Now I forgot what I was gonna say here. What's wrong with me? Oh my gosh. Um, Dude, you're good. 
Let's talk some oh, World ba- Cup. Oh, baseball is not failing. That's what he said. Baseball is uh, he's, uh, he's actually doing pretty well. That's what he said. What would you what do you consider failing? Failing is no one's showing up. You know, there's no interest. People aren't watching games. People aren't talking about it on social media. And that's definitely not happening. Um, Daniel, again, we disagree big time. Do you know the? Um, I'm kind of prepared. I'm bringing up my stats right now because I wrote a paper on it. Um, oh, you remember that paper, right? I don't know if I ever saw it. I, I think I talked about it with I you. Think you yeah. But um, MLB attendance, I think, is at a very – Dana, why don't you make your case why, why it's not failing? I just think it's declining, not failing. It's fine. It's not as I good as it used struggling. to be. I don't think it's struggling even. I don't think it's struggling. I think times are changing, and it may and baseball needs to adapt in terms of its outreach and getting people into the ballpark. But I I don't think it's failing. I think it's maybe declining. It needs some change, but I don't think it's failing. I think failing is a strong word. I'm not saying there's there, that it's, everything's great. I'm just saying it's uh it's not failing. It may be struggling a little bit. What? I don't think I said failing. I said struggling. I think you said failing. I said struggling. We can go oh, back to the Fine. Then I agree. Continue. Okay. Great. Awesome. So, just um, games are longer than they have. We, we've talked about this right. before. Just that it's um, that it might be the people's problem more than the game's right, problem. Exactly. Um, but, Alan, I, I interrupted your transition very rudely. It's all good. I want to talk some football. Is that cool? Yeah, all good. Wait, football's not failing. Football's not struggling in America. I'm talking soccer. Oh, I'm just, got it, got it. I'm very Americanized. I'm, I don't really. I say I'm a purist. I'm a purist. Yeah. You know, sweet. So, um, big World Cup final yeah. set up. What are your thoughts on the match? Well, I think France is going to come in. It's France Croatia. We're um mm-hmm. we're recording just after Croatia's big win against England in extra time. Um, I think France is the favorite, but Croatia can definitely hold it, hold their own. And I, anything can happen in these games. You know, Russia beats Spain. A lot of upsets have been happening in this World Cup. A wild, wild World Cup. But I think France, led by um, 19-year-old phenom Kylian Mbappe, who um, I, I'm a big fan of. He's just so – there's so much energy when he has when he has the ball at his feet. I, I was going to say ball in his hands, but that's not what you're supposed to do. Um, you know – There's so much energy. It's kind of like watching, like, Russell Westbrook in his MVP season. There's like just so much or, speed coming, you know, that he has. Or a star running back in space. Right, like Chris know? Johnson. Yes, in his prime. In his prime, of course. Yeah. Which we both remember so well, sarcasm. No, I do. I remember pretty well. Really? Yeah, yeah. Dang it. So, I guess we're wrong again, disagreeing uh, again. But I'm, I'm excited to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the game. Right. You know, there's, there's something about – Soccer and a tennis even. Shout out to Wimbledon, um, which is going on now as well, um, where these classy events, uh, there's with immense talent all the way around. I'm excited to just sit back and enjoy it. Right. You know? who, who, who do you have? Who do I have? Who's winning? Prediction. Not, not who you're rooting for. Prediction. Prediction. I think you got to go France. Yeah, me too. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if Croatia, like, um, who's their guy? Who's their superstar? Modric, Luka Modric. 
Luka Modric. Oh, is it? Is it it's mo- in, did I say it totally wrong? No, I think you're right. Oh, okay. Potato, tomato, tomato. Yeah, Modric, Modric. Luka Modric. The first name is definitely Luka, though. And that's yes. how you pronounce it. And they also have Ivan Rakitic, who's really yeah, good. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're, you don't make it to the World Cup final by accident. They're a good quality soccer team. Mm-hmm. And also, I think um, I wanted to give – I wanted to put on everyone's radar to keep an eye on Wimbledon. American John Isner is in the semifinals of Wimbledon. I remember um, I've, I've always kept an eye on Isner after he had that, like, seven-hour match against uh, Nicholas uh-huh. Mahout. Was that his name? I don't remember. There are things in my brain. I don't know why I remember them, but that's mm-hmm. like the name Nicholas Mahout for some reason. Right. I feel, I I feel like that's right. Yeah. Like I, I somehow forget Dr. Nick Elam's name when we talked to, Oh, I'm very embarrassed by this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nick. Um, definitely nothing personal. I, I just had like a giant brain fart. It's all yeah, good, yeah. dude. We're getting older. It's 20th episode. Right. You know, you forget. I I don't think that's really why when people forget things, but you know, it happens, I guess. Yeah. M- much apologies so, though. And and also because uh, I was watching a little bit of Isner and the other quarterfinals with Roger Federer and Anderson, and um, Federer lost, and that would have been Isner's matchup. Federer lost. So. Federer lost, so Isner doesn't have to play Federer. He has to play Anderson, I think his so, name is. So Isner's got and a all, shot. Right. All due respect to Anderson, he's not Roger Federer. Correct. No one no one really is. Unless right. your name is Roger right. Federer. Also. We agree on that. That was deep and profound. Wait, Alan, can you say that again? Sorry. We we really at that point, you know? And those yeah, people, yeah, yeah. No. Definitely, you know? You're not Roger Federer unless you are. Mm-hmm. Love that. Speaking of that, that reminds me of Hot Take. Are we Is it cool if we jump into Hot Take real quick? We'll just do it quick. Real quick. Yeah. Awesome. What, what, what's, what's our Hot Take? I know our Hot Take. It's my Hot Take this week. Bring it. The Cleveland Cavaliers will finish higher seeded in the Eastern Conference then the Lakers in the Western Conference. Did that make sense? Yes, yes. It, um, I like that a lot. It's new. It's a nuanced hot take. Because since the East is so much weaker and the West is so much stronger, like the Cavs could have 10 to 15 more wins than the Cavs. I mean, the Lakers could have 10 to 15 right. wins than the Cavs, yet be a lower seed. Simply mm-hmm. because of the, the overall volume of good teams in the West. Right. Now, I don't agree. Like, it, thinking logically, this doesn't make sense, but that's why it's a hot take. It's but I'll add one. Led by Kevin Love and Chetty Osman, who's looked great at Summer League. Um, and, and Zizic and Sexton. And, and Sexton. Like, they're, they're going to be a fun team. I think the Cavs, second hot take, the Cavs will be more fun to watch on a night-in, night-out basis than they were last year. I agree. And? Obviously, like, it's, it sounds crazy. Like, wait, they have LeBron. And LeBron's one of them, like, is, is a top-two player of all time. And he's one of the most exciting players to watch. But I feel like the Cavs will just go full dive into this transition game. And I think it'll be interesting to see what how Ty Lue actually is as a coach. Yes. Did you see he was promoted to head coach? He's promoted. Uh, LeBron will let him have it. LeBron, yeah. LeBron no, after LeBron the head coach of the Cavs playing for the Lakers. Love that. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. And also, I, w- I wanted to kind of add one thing. Even though earlier I really 
was strongly against the Warriors having DeMarcus Cousins. I am, as an NBA fan, this season is going to be so fun. Right, and They're going the to- fact that you're saying that shows that like it's good for the NBA to have a team that's like, can anyone beat them? Can anyone even hang with them? Because every be- night the Warriors play, it's like, can a team do it? Can they do it? Can they do it? What's one of the most... Like amazing games in sports history. Um, Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice. Wow, dude, look at that chemistry. Oh Twenty episodes. Crazy. We're arguing. No, we're back. We're we're like skipping Stephen A. Except for most things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we like um, each other. But yeah, we like each other a lot, yeah. man. It's already been twenty episodes. Yeah. But yeah. Miracle on Ice. Why is it such a? Why is it a miracle? Like, yeah, like it's not just like the Americans. Like the Americans weren't favored against Sweden in the championship game either, who they beat right after they beat the Russians. But the point is that the Russians were considered an unstoppable force, and the U.S. somehow beat them. So say the I don't know the Pelicans somehow like, you know get a get, get a win the first round of the playoffs against the Warriors. They lose four one. We say they get a win. That's a huge win because they won against an, this unstoppable force. Every game is more important to the Warriors playing. All I'm saying is the NFL has so much parity, and it's amazing. Right, so does college basketball. But, you know, I just wanted to throw right. in college basketball because I love it. It's all good. It's all good. I, Daniel, yeah. I'm Alan. Hey. I'm Alan. I'm Daniel. And this was the Sock and Chalk Pod. Wait, we're done? We're done? Already? Already. I dude. guess so, but first, I want to just do one more thing. Yeah. Um, The All-Star Games this week. And the AL is way better than the NL. And Alan and I, he's a Cleveland Indians fan. I'm a New York Yankees fan. They're both in the AL. And this makes us happy. Yes. We agree on that. Daniel, it's this week? It's, well, next week, but I think before our next pod. Okay. Right, we we operate on the sock and chalk timetable. Exactly, when, like the Wednesday to Wednesday. Right, love that, dude. Right. Okay. Peace out, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.